trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program and approved by all 50 state bars for IOLTA compliance, LawPay. It's almost December, which means it is time for work holiday parties, something that few of any introverted lawyers look forward to. I'm Stephanie Francis Warren, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking with Heidi Brown. She's the director of legal writing at Brooklyn Law School and the author of various books, including The Introverted Lawyer, A Seven-Step Journey Towards Authentically Empowered Advocacy, which is published by the ABA Publishing Group. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So the holiday party, I think maybe most people, regardless of their personality types, don't enjoy the holiday party as much as they should sometimes. Um, I suppose others enjoy it maybe a little too much. (laughs) But if you are, if you're someone that you don't enjoy being around a lot of people, and maybe it's a little bit more stressful if you are with a bunch of work colleagues. First off, before you go to this event, how do you get yourself mentally prepared? So I am definitely an introvert, and I also grapple with social anxiety. So what you just described definitely is something that I feel before I go to holiday parties, especially work-related holiday parties. So I'll give a couple pieces of advice. The first thing I recommend is thinking about why we feel uncomfortable. So a lot of us who might not know whether we're introverts or ambiverts or extroverts or the differences between those labels and shyness and social anxiety, we might not know that those labels describe different aspects of our personality. So if we're introverts, it just means that we can handle social engagements, but we we get drained, we can be tired after such an event. That's very different from shyness or social anxiety, where we actually fear judgment um, or criticism from other people. So the first thing I recommend is kind of assessing the source of our discomfort. Are we just worried that we're going to be tired or drained or exhausted after the event, or are we worried about what people are going to think of us? And then I recommend we kind of think about what we could gain from attending the event. Is this just sort of a check the box we have to show up, or can we use it as a stepping stone to get better at this and, and have a plan for these types of events and maybe start to look forward to them as a way to enhance our, our enjoyment of them or also enhance our work lives or our careers. Maybe we could get to know somebody better, or maybe show enthusiasm or loyalty or that we are a team player. And also, we might be able to look at the event as practice for the next bigger, more important event. So what I do is I have a mental and physical plan. I think about, you know, what I bring to the table. I I actually think we all are pretty amazing, interesting, cool people. So if we start to think, okay, this party isn't going to be dreadful. I, I bring a lot to the table. I'm going to think about that from a mental standpoint, but also physically. So I I write a lot about um, the way we are physical, the way we handle our physical bodies can power our our mental ability to stay in conversations and and do well. So maybe striding in there, treating ourselves like an athlete, standing in in a confident athlete stance can help us when we're in conversations. And also set boundaries. I know that I cannot go to a party and stay till the end. And that's okay. I can go. I can power up for an hour. And then I allow myself to leave. I have like a realistic goal, maybe meet three people, be seen by the three important people I need to be seen by. And then I can go. I don't need to be the person that stays till the bitter end. 
Do you think it's helpful to go with a colleague who you enjoy, who understands you? Like I would imagine if you go with someone who's like, okay, we're going to split up and our goal is to meet five new people. We're not going to talk to each other. That might like uh, give you a huge panic attack for some people. (laughs) Um, So to find someone you enjoy who's professional and you can, you know, not just talk to each other the entire time, but have each other for support. Is that helpful? Yes, that is such a great idea. So what I try to do is, again, like you just suggested, team up with one person and talk about this in advance, that you're each going to have a goal to maybe meet three people or five people. But you can start off walking into the event and then introduce each other, kind of have an interesting tagline, not just boring things like, oh, this is so-and-so, he or she practices this type of law, but, but something more interesting about the person, introduce each other, and then plan to split up and and circle the room and navigate the room, but have a set time that you're going to meet back up. Because I find if I do find myself in an awkward conversation or a conversation that's just going nowhere, it helps to have a real reason to have to extricate myself from the situation. And, And by planning to meet up with your friend, that's a perfect way to transition out of a conversation or end a conversation when you really feel like you could be more productive speaking to other people. So going with a friend, talking about a plan in advance, empowering each other to meet new people, but then helping each other extricate from the situation can be really effective. Well, and do you think, too, maybe something that people may not realize is you could be a big success at a holiday party, at least by experience, if for the most part you smile and nod. Yes. A lot of it is really about being seen and present and and engaged and listening to people. And that's a huge Mm -hmm. asset that that introverts and otherwise quiet folks bring to the table. We listen. We, We love to listen. We actually like to hear about interesting things about other people. And other people like to talk about themselves. So it's a great Mm -hmm. skill to have to show up, be present, be engaged, make great eye contact, nod, listen, and and do that with the people that are, are, you know, important to get to know at certain parties and certain work events. And, and just sitting at the table with those individuals, listening to them, prompting additional conversation can be just as effective and probably, in my opinion, even more effective than dominating a conversation. Oh, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I know. I think since smartphones have existed, there's always one person at my holiday parties that's sitting at a table by themselves engrossed in their phone. And I always think, well, I don't want to be that person. How can you avoid being that person who looks clearly uncomfortable and is super into their phone by themselves at the holiday party? Absolutely. That's such a great question. And I've made it a new goal for myself to stay off my phone at those types of events and, and be the person who isn't on their phone because a lot of other people will be on their phones. And if, if you can just empower yourself to set your phone aside for an hour or two hours, it really makes a huge difference. Even if you end up sitting at a table for a little while, just getting the lay of the land, avoid being on your phone. I, I found that if I'm actually writing something on a piece of paper instead of being on my phone, people for some reason will are intrigued and will come up and talk to me <laughs> and ask me what I'm writing. So it's, it's, uh-huh. it seems like a subtle difference, but being engaged in a piece of writing or even reading something or just scanning the room is a much better invitation for someone to come over to talk to you than staring into your phone. 
And then also, if you see someone staring into their phone, look for that person, and we can make an effort to go up and sit next to them and say, I sometimes will just make a joke about how it is easier to be on our phone than to infiltrate conversations, and sometimes that's enough to break the ice and and pull someone away from their phone. What if it's not, though, and they just ignore you and it's even more awkward? How do you extract yourself? (laughs) That definitely happens, but what I used to feel like I was responsible for the awkwardness or the weirdness, but what I realized is that we're not. A lot of times the awkwardness mm-hmm. comes from other people, and mm-hmm. we can make a couple attempts, you know, talk, ask them about things that they might be interested in and things that are, are not related to the law necessarily, but more like vacations or concerts they recently went to or art or books or what they're watching on Netflix or why they're at the party or other things and make I my goal is I usually will make three attempts to spark a conversation and if there's not reciprocity I just try to move on and realize it's probably not me this person just doesn't want to talk or doesn't want to talk to me and that's fine but I've made enough attempts to engage and it's just not going to work and we can't always take on the responsibility for that. I'm curious about something you just said, because in my own experience of being introverted, I might make one attempt. And if they, in my mind, shun me, I'd be like, oh, awkward, I'm going to go on. Did you have to build up to make, as you said, it's not necessarily about you oftentimes, but did you have to build up to do three attempts? That's impressive. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes, don't get me wrong, I will I will give up after one or two attempts. <laughs> but I feel like if you really do try to find some common ground with someone on three different levels and they still aren't going to try to meet you halfway, then it's perfectly fine to move on. That person might just be going through a lot. They might just be in Mm -hmm. a bad mood, have had a bad day, or just really not want to be at the party. And and that's okay. It's not your responsibility. You've, You've really tried to engage on a human level. Right. If you are at a holiday party that involves a meal where people sit down. Do you have any advice on not winding up at a bum table and picking a good table where you will be comfortable and it's a fun table? That is definitely challenging. And I, I usually prefer parties where it's not sit down. It's it's more buffet and you can kind of move around a lot. But if you find that it's it's a seated party. It's good for me. I know I feel more comfortable if I can choose where I sit in the room. It's it's an interesting phenomenon for introverts that even if we sit in a conference room or in a large hotel room space for a conference or at a party like this, we like to get comfortable. And then I always kind of joke about if there's forced group work and we're forced to pair up or uh, get in teams, I'm like, oh mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. now I got to start all over again. Right. <laughs> so, so for me, it's it's less, for me personally, it's less important about who I'm sitting with than where I'm sitting, which is might sound strange. But so I like to choose a spot where I feel physically comfortable. And then hmm. I also might strategically choose a table where there's just one other person at first. Like if I'm joining a table, instead of joining a table where there's only one seat left, I almost prefer to join a table where there's one or two people sitting so I can spark conversation with the two people instead of trying to infiltrate a larger group. If the point of going to the party is to forge relationships with important people in the in the law office or with clients, um, I'll definitely try to choose a table in which one or two of those individuals who I may have researched in advance are, are sitting. So then I'm I'm trying to 
further my goal of meeting the, the three to five people that I went to the party to meet in the first place. One other point I could add is also if you're in a law office environment in which particular groups tend to stick together, I sometimes like to be the one to forge out on my own and involve myself with a different group. I mean, if, if certain levels of a law office or there's staff that sit together versus associates versus more senior attorneys, sometimes I like to go and sit with people I haven't sat with before, which might feel intimidating or scary or strange, but I find that it's it's more effective to forge relationships if you venture out of your usual crew that you stick together with. And I want to go back to what you said about knowing something about the people you'd like to meet. I have found that that's helpful, too, if you research just a little bit about the main players so that if you do meet them, you can say, oh, certainly you're a litigation partner at such and such. Yes, you know, and you moved there. You moved there three years ago. How's it going? That's another thing is like we were saying, you smile and nod. If you yeah. know something about someone that's not like creepy or stalker, but just basic, you're recognizing that they're a success and you know something, that's probably helpful too, right? 100%. Yeah. It definitely is because it immediately breaks the ice that you know something about them. And I, I used to kind of downplay social media and all that, but now I love using social media and researching mm-hmm. folks, like you said, not in a creepy or stalkery way, but in a way that lets us know what they like, what makes them happy, what makes them interested in, what have they written lately, what have they read lately. And you can tell a lot about a person in the professional world by articles that they repost or that they emphasize is important. And I personally think that that's a great way to spark a conversation with someone, show that you have looked into what they're interested in on a professional level and spark a conversation about that. And people love to talk about that kind of stuff. And it just, again, kind of sets up the situation where you can smile and nod and and prompt and be supportive of them telling them more about themselves. And if it's true, I would imagine a great icebreaker is something along the lines of, oh, yes, I follow you on Twitter. Yes, absolutely. And LinkedIn is also a great networking tool. I found it's it's funny because I, I didn't use it as much when I was an actual lawyer. But now that I'm an author, I really like LinkedIn. And I learn so much more about the legal profession from seeing what people are tweeting about on Twitter and, and articles people are posting on LinkedIn. And it's a great way to acknowledge and validate somebody else's professional interests and and then give them a platform to talk about it. And then it, it, the more I feel we get into these conversations, the more comfortable we can feel and settle in at parties. Yes. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about business development and networking at holiday parties when you tend to be introverted and perhaps have social anxiety. We'll be right back. Part of building a successful practice is finding the right payment partner. It's important to work with a processor that understands the complex rules for legal payments. LawPay is the only payment solution that ensures trust account compliance for both credit card and e-check transactions. Trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program and approved by all 50 state bars for IOLTA compliance. LawPay. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward. And on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking about holiday parties with Heidi Brown, the author of The Introverted Lawyer, A Seven-Step Journey Toward Authentically Empowered Advocacy. So 
Heidi, tell me about business development at holiday parties. I think that's something that a lot of lawyers will go to holiday parties with the idea to maybe it would be great if it comes up. But I also think for some people who are introverted and haven't thought about it much, trying to do business development is awkward and just painful to watch because it you can just tell it's hard for some people. And then the key is to do it effortlessly so no one realizes it. What's your advice on getting good at that? Introverts can be really powerful networkers if they do that type of activity being authentic. So introverts, mm. instead of trying to fake extroversion or force a networking kind of hard-charging personality, I have found that the most effective introverted networkers are themselves. They're authentic. And the reason why is they focus on the human connection instead of the act of trying to land that client immediately. I think the most effective introverted networkers realize that networking and business development is a marathon. It sounds like a cliche, but it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It takes time to build relationships. And so approaching holiday parties as as sort of a foundational activity for business development and networking is great if an introvert realizes they don't need to come home from the party having landed a new client immediately or landed a new case. So what introverts can do is to research the folks that they would like to get to know at the party beforehand. And social media, as I mentioned, is a great way to find out what makes people happy, find out what they are reading, what they're writing. And then teaming up with a person to go to the party and, and have a networking or business development strategy for the party, and, but making it realistic. I used to think I had to go to parties or holiday events, and I was a failure if I didn't talk to everybody important in the room and come home with a pile of business cards. And I realized that's not me, first of all, mm. so it wasn't going to work. And also, that's not reality. It's not that important to meet every person in the room. So setting a realistic goal, maybe three to five people, trying to forge effective conversations with those three to five people. And then where introverts really thrive is the follow-up. So it's not so Mm -hmm. much making that huge, impactful event happen at the party, but it's in the follow-up. And introverts are thoughtful communicators. They can be very effective writers. And again, using written communications after a party can be even more effective than what we do at the party itself. So following up with an email or a card or some sort of personal touch, circling back to something you spoke about in the conversation, maybe following up with an article they might find interesting. People do that with me. I I love receiving emails from people who send me an article that they think I would like based on a conversation we had or something they noticed that I wrote about. And it's such a great way to keep that conversation going. And then introverts will see that months or even a year, maybe even two years down the road, the business will develop. Okay. If we're talking about a holiday party with your employer, I was wondering if it might be helpful for someone who is introverted or has social anxiety to volunteer to help with the party. So they're busy doing things or they feel like they have more control as opposed to, you know, making small talk with whoever comes in. That is a great way to go. I highly recommend that. And I find that if I 
contact the host in advance or volunteer in advance to help, that can be effective. But also arriving sort of right on time at the party and immediately volunteering to do something can be really effective. I try not to get to a party early because too early because that can Mm -hmm. be more awkward if the host isn't actually ready for you yet and you can be standing around. But I find if you show up right on time before there's hordes of crowds there that you have to infiltrate and then volunteer to do something rather than standing around and trying to make small talk, you could help them put the food out, put drinks out, or if it's the type of party where people need name tags or there's things to be handed out. I mean, even little tasks can give you a reason to have to walk up to somebody that you don't know and engage in conversation about the physical item in your hand. And it just really helps you navigate those situations with, with more grace and more, more power instead of just trying to come up with conversation starters. So I highly recommend volunteering to do something, have a, a physical activity that you are in charge of or can help with. And plus, you might meet another helper while you're doing that. And the host should be or usually is appreciative that you've pitched in to try to help. How much of a career-limiting move is it for someone who always skips their employer's holiday party? Well, I would, as someone who sometimes wants to skip parties, <laughs> I would say it's not the end of the world, but I encourage us to go. I really do encourage us to use these parties as opportunities to practice these techniques and we deserve a party too. So I, I, I think we can look at it as a positive thing, but keep it short, set realistic goals, see who you need to see, and then set a limit. I mentioned that I never will stay, I rarely will stay at a party for the entire time. And that's, that's acceptable. You can go for an hour, an hour and a half at the most if you want, and it's okay to leave. But at least then you can be proud of yourself for putting yourself into that scenario, stepping into that performance activity, which is what it really is doing a good job, and then giving yourself permission to leave when your introverted energy levels have been depleted. Because it's a very real thing for us as introverts to be drained by high-pressure social interaction. We can do it. We can do it well. But then a lot of us hit a wall and we, we need to leave. But if we've put in enough effort and really have tried to bond with the individuals we need to bond with, it is totally fine to leave, say thank you, go home, and watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> if you were putting together a corporate holiday party, what are some things you can do to make it more enjoyable for people who are coming, who are introverts or have social anxiety? I mean, as I'm sure you well know, many, many attorneys are introverted. Some, you'd never know it, and some, it's pretty obvious, but there's, there's many, many introverted attorneys in the profession. There are very many of us, and a lot of us have tried to fake or force extroversion for so many years, and it really does take a toll on you to have to fake that kind of energy. So I'm not a fan of faking it at all. I think we should be authentic, but we can amplify our voices authentically when we need to. Now, in terms of parties that are inclusive, I am not the biggest fan of sort of forced games um, where people have to be Mm -hmm. put on the spot and gift exchanges. I mean, gift exchanges are nice and and can be positive, but I aspire for employers to be cognizant that not everybody loves to be put on the spot and have to crack a joke or, or perform. But instead, these things can be done on tight budgets as well. I understand that not every 
office has a ginormous budget for parties, but you could have a theme that involves interaction instead of folks being on the spot, like making or building something for charity or people teaming up and and maybe drafting a, a funny but positive holiday song or something like that, as long as people have advance notice. Because, again, you don't want to put people on the spot to perform if they're just honestly trying to celebrate and have fun at a party. Other things that I've seen effectively done are having a silent auction. So this can be cost-effective, too, because people can just volunteer, donate things that they enjoy doing, like like cooking classes or guitar lessons or um, teaming up and going and taking a, a boxing lesson together. So it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but people in the law office can volunteer to donate those things. And then it's kind of fun to see who bids on, on those items. And then individuals can team up and go to those offered events together and maybe get to know each other in a different way. So I've seen that work as a as a fun holiday party that doesn't require performance on the spot. Other ideas are interactive, maybe I mentioned cooking lessons, but maybe a different type of food that people can put together in the actual party, you know, make your own pasta bar, or Sunday bars, things like that, incorporating different traditions around the holidays. Items that really include people instead of put people on the spot and reward people who are already good at performing or have a skill that everybody thinks is is great, much more focus on inclusive activities can be a way to make sure that all employees enjoy the party. Heidi, that's everything we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. And I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please find us and rate us in Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered.